Today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is brought to you by Samaritan's Purse. You guys, if you haven't heard of Samaritan's Purse and specifically their project called Operation Christmas Child, I definitely recommend getting involved. If you're looking for a very practical way for you to teach your kids that God is moving not just in your family and your neighborhood, but all around the world, this is such a great project that you can do together. It's very easy, but the impact that it will have on both your family and the children around the world who will receive these shoeboxes is going to be huge. What you do is you go to samaritanspurse.org forward slash OCC for Operation Christmas Child. They will send you a box and some ideas on what you can fill in this shoebox. And then you drop them off at a location and Samaritan's Purse will take those shoeboxes and they will send them out to all over the world. In fact, this year they're hoping to send 11 million shoeboxes. The kids in these countries will get these shoeboxes filled with gifts. The people on site will present the gospel message. And then for anyone who decides to trust their life to Jesus, Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse will actually go through a discipleship process with them. It's truly an amazing ministry. I love doing it as a family. Even our little homeschool co-op group packs all these boxes together. It's really, an, it's it's super beneficial to both you who are packing it and to the kids who will be receiving it. It's absolutely amazing. I'll post some video links so that you can check this out as well. But collection week is coming up like right now. So if you want to get uh, involved in this, you need to act very, very quickly. You can go to SamaritansPurse.org forward slash OCC and you'll find a drop-off location near you um, because drop-off week is the 18th to the 25th of November. So again, it's coming up right now. Go to SamaritansPurse.org forward slash OCC. You can figure out how to pack a shoebox and where to drop it off. Please, guys, get involved with this. Such an easy way to serve as a family. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, just want to say something real quick before we jump in. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to protect our kids from pornography and what to do if they've been exposed to pornography. Um, So a couple things regarding that. Number one, if you are around your kids or any kids, uh, the content of today's episode probably isn't going to be appropriate for them to hear. And so I just wanted to make you aware of that. Also, if you've ever struggled with pornography or an addiction to pornography, this episode may, for lack of better words, trigger something in you. And so I would just suggest to listen to this episode with your wife, probably, uh, just to have some built-in accountability. It's also just a great episode, regardless of whether that's been a struggle for you or not. Uh, It's a great episode to listen to together so you guys can be on the same team and really have a game plan when it comes to protecting your kids. So with that said, I think this episode is going to be incredibly helpful for you. Let's dive in. Kristen, I'm so glad that you decided to hang out with us today here on The Dad Tired. Uh, we don't often have women joining us, but I'm so grateful <laughs> that you decided to. Uh, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Well, Jared, thank you so much for having me. I'm just so excited to be talking to the dads that are listening. Um, so a little bit about me is I live in Washington State and love it up here, but I was raised kind of in uh, both Wyoming and Massachusetts. So I kind of have cultural schizophrenia in that (laughs) regard. Um, But several years ago, I I have a background in English, like got a degree in English and I've done writing and 
and such and have a master's degree in uh, organizational communications. And, and I, uh, was contacted, uh, called by a, a, a mother that I had met. She had a large family, Christian. She wanted to, um, really protect her children from the world and all the problems. And so she was homeschooling. Uh, but the world came into her family via the internet mm-hmm. and, um, it fueled, um, child on child sexual abuse. So this mm-hmm. oldest son, of age 17, um, began to molest his younger brothers and sisters and, uh, was really devastating. And the more you learn about how pornography affects children and the more you realize this was just a natural consequence of looking at pornography for many young men and young women is to act out because kids, you know, they imitate what they see adults do. That's how they grow up. Right. So anyway, I heard her story and the next morning I woke up and I just had this like pulsating thought in my brain, you know, who will warn the young children? Because I could see that young children were getting impacted negatively, very negatively impacted by pornography. But who was talking to them at such a young age? Who was warning them? And so I thought, well, there's probably a couple of books that I could maybe purchase for this mom. And I went online and I looked, I couldn't find anything. And I started to do my own research. And then I just kept feeling like I should go ahead and write this book that wasn't there. Hmm. So that was the beginning of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids. And then a few years later, uh, because of so many parent requests, I wrote Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior, A Simple Plan to Protect Young Minds. And that's just how I got started. I didn't grow up thinking today, you know, someday I'm going to grow up (laughs) and write a book about pornography for kids. You know, I didn't (laughs) think that, but you know, God has his, his ways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I, uh, before I, we had even got connected and to do this interview, uh, I had actually picked up your books. Um, they had come recommended to me. Yeah. And so we had read them as a family together and have referenced them many, many times. It's been very, very helpful. Um, so I appreciate you putting a resource out there and now a couple of resources out there um, that you know didn't exist. So it, it, yeah, it's been very, very helpful. I do want to go back to something you said um, sure. and talking about really, I think that th- there's kind of this unspoken expectation that dads are the ones kind of supposed to be having these talks about sex and pornography, et cetera, with their kids. And honestly, I think that most of us feel really unequipped. Uh, A lot of us did not grow up with dads. And for those of us that did, uh, or or those that did, um, they were never really taught kind of a healthy example of what it's like to sit down and to talk to your children about pornography and sex and all these things. So uh, I guess, what would you say... I guess one of my questions is, do you think that there there's truth in that, that there is kind of this unspoken expectation that dad should lead this in? Or is that maybe just a pressure that we've kind of put on ourselves? I think both moms and dad should feel that pressure. Yeah. I, uh, not being a dad myself, I don't know, actually. Um, I feel like there are some dads that because they've had their own, uh, you know, involvement with, you know, they've, they've been kind of 
trapped into pornography a mm-hmm. little bit that that mm-hmm. that they feel like hypocritical talking right. to their kids about it. Yeah. Um, and I would hope that they would not feel that way. I think that's a deception. I think every child deserves to be warned about uh, the predatory porn industry. And um, who better than someone that's, you know, already been hurt by it. They know better than anyone, you know, yeah. what, what, uh, why, you know, this, why they should be protecting their children. So, um I think everyone should feel the pressure. So I don't know if it should be a dad or a mom. I think, you know, sometimes I get asked, you know, who should talk to the girls or who should talk to the boys or who should talk to the children, the mom or the dad? And I'm like, whichever parent will do it, Mm. (laughs) you know, get out there and actually start that conversation is the one that should do it. I think it would be great. In our book, we have both. Um, both uh, the original book has the mom starting, the dad kind of wrapping up and confirming everything the mom has said and adding in uh, more information and more great analogies and help for the child. So um, ideally, it's a, you know, it's a kind of a, you know, you do it together. Yeah, that was actually one of my questions is should the dads talk to the boys? Should the moms talk to the, uh, the daughters? But you just answered that very directly. I so that's... I, you I know, think that's the biblical their, model, right? Yeah, is that think, mom yeah. and dad are both involved equally and because, engaged in this. Yeah. yeah, because each has their different um, perspective. Yeah. I mean, it would have been so, you know, I, when I was a little kid, like nine or eight or nine or 10, I don't know, I found Playboys in my dad's, mm. you know, um, bedside table. So, like, what did that teach me yeah. about, like, what? a woman should be, how my dad looked at women, you mm. know, and, and, and that affected me. I mean, it's, it's, you have to kind of, um, so yeah, obviously my dad didn't talk to me about it. And, and, uh, what I got was, you know, I was supposed to, I was supposed to be attractive to make my dad look good. That was kind of the message that I got. Mm, and, you know, how sad, really, yeah. instead of, you know, you're a beautiful person and I'm proud of you and, you know, I want you to develop your talents and, you know, all that. Um, so um, I think that dads have such power to to help their children and especially their daughters in many ways to just grow up and be strong and to look at themselves, not just, you know, in an objectifying way, but to look at themselves with, uh, you know, to see themselves as a whole person yeah, and as a, as a daughter of God. So, yeah. Yeah. I, in your experience and the, you know, being in this world, uh, I guess I, I'm so clueless. Obviously, I go around the country. I've written books for men. I talk to men all the time. And so I kind of know the grasp from very personal experience and then just talking to men, the grasp that pornography has on men. But uh, I'm totally clueless other than just kind of reading some stats when it comes to women and pornography and girls with pornography. Um, and so I feel really like I don't even know how to have these kinds of conversations with my daughter. My daughter, I have two daughters. One's only six. The other one's 10 months. So we're very early in this. But um, uh, I guess what experience do you have and what have you seen when it comes to young girls in pornography? 
Well, girls get into pornography through romance novels and kind of that kind of, you know, um, that kind of literature often, but then they go into the video format and the visual. So they come on, sometimes come in through the stories and, but then it always ends up, you know, the same as the, the, the young men. I would say that in my research and I've done interviews, um, one of the things that women who are caught in pornography say is that they did it for a couple of reasons. One, they got into it, first of all, out of curiosity, because girls are just as curious about sex as boys. It's just not culturally, you know, appropriate, you know, for girls to show that curiosity, but they, they are. And, um, and, and also girls, um, are told, you know, they need to be attractive to men from a very young age, which I don't think in and of itself is like horribly wrong. I think it'd be nice if we're all attract, you know, being attractive is not a bad thing, but, but it's, but if the message is, um, porn will teach you how to be attractive to men then that's a very toxic message and debilitating to young women. So um, more and more women, the porn industry at one point woke up and they said, what? We're like leaving 50% of the audience, you know, off the table. We got to, we got, we got, there's more money to be made here. So Mm -hmm. let's go after women and let's frame it like, Hey, men have their pornography. You should have your pornography. Um, uh, Otherwise, uh, you know, you're not equal with men and that's their tactic. And so women are like, yeah, we, we should have our porn too. And they call it mommy porn. I mean, seriously, that was what, um, you know, 50 shades of gray was, was mommy porn, which, uh, just gives me a sick feeling in my stomach. But so girls do need to be warned. And, and many times girls and teens, are left very vulnerable because no one thinks to talk to them. They're just like, oh, they won't be interested. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my son. I'm going to make sure he doesn't have a smartphone till he's 16, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not, I'm not going to worry about my daughter. And I did a group of uh, young people, like 14 to 18, and I got them together like a focus group and talked to them about, you know, what messages they felt were really important for their uh, peers to learn about, you know, the dangers of pornography. And during that discussion, I found out that, and these were all from families that went to church, you know, and I found out that the boys, their families had really like, were, were very careful. Oh, I just have a flip phone. You know, I, my, uh, you know, their, their parents had obviously put in some rules and were careful. The two girls, two or three girls that were there, had smartphones, were on Instagram, were on, you know, they, it, it was mm. obvious no one worry, was worrying about them. Mm. And when I saw that and I, uh, yeah, you could tell they'd probably seen quite a lot <laughs> that maybe even mm. the boys hadn't seen. So we need to protect and warn our girls just as much as we do the boys because they're both harmed by pornography. Yeah. How soon, like when do you suggest parents start having these conversations with their kids? At what age? So 
I would say that as soon as any child has any access whatsoever to the internet, they need to be warned about its dangers. So how old are kids when they're handed an iPad or even a parent's phone to play on? Right. Young. Pretty yeah, young. young. It's like when your toddler, you know, when your six-year-old daughter, when she was, you know, two or one and a half, whatever, and she's starting to walk and maybe even play out in front yard, you warn her not to run out in the street, right? Because cars, right? And, and you, uh, as soon as she's capable of going and getting hurt, you warn her about the dangers. So the same thing about, you know, the internet highway. It's like you, as soon as they're able to get on any internet connected device, you start to have that first gentle warning about the dangers that can be found there. And that's really what's in Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior. It's totally age appropriate, totally comfortable, but it gives kids a fighting chance and it opens that conversation so that you become that safe person to talk to if they see something. And I just have countless parents telling me how this has really worked. You know, kids, you teach them, they'll actually come and tell you when they've seen something that they feel is, you know, a bad picture or, yeah. or pornography. Yep. Yeah. We just had that happen uh, this week in our <laughs> Really? Um, yeah. Just, uh, uh, you know, one of our kids came up and told us what they saw and, you know, they were, they were very quick. And it's, I think it's because we have the book and uh, we've read through the books and we've talked about, we've kind of role played that scenario out before this even happened. Um, and it's not the first time that we've, we've had this conversation with our kids. Hey guys, want to take a quick minute to thank my friends over at HelloFresh for sponsoring today's episode with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You can get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. You can say goodbye to endless grocery store trips and take out food. HelloFresh has you covered. There's something for everyone from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit. So you know you're going to get something delicious. You can add extra meals to your weekly order as well as yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. Just this week, we had barbecue chicken tacos, which were absolutely amazing. Even the kids love them. Now... For the Dad Tired listeners, you can get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired9 and using the code Tired9. Again, get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired9, that's the number nine, and using the code Tired9 at checkout. Uh, for those who haven't read the book yet, uh, what, what are some of the things, like what are some of the things you're talking about? How do you go about with a five, six, seven, eight-year-old um, kind of introducing this subject? Well, in the book, what we do is we start out by talking about, you know, good pictures. And, you know, here are some examples of good pictures, right? The pictures we took on our vacation, pictures that remind us of the people we love. But there are bad pictures too, and those are harmful. Um, and uh, bad pictures are called pornography. Um, now, in the young book, you can kind of decide if you want to use that big bad word, but I say we need to use it 
It's not, yeah. you know, we need to kind of like take the, I don't know, have power over that word, not right, let yeah. it have power over us. Um, yeah. But in this, in the book for older children, um, it, so these are the three goals that the books accomplish that are very important. So number one is to define what pornography is or what a bad picture is. Define it so they can recognize it. Now, the way we do it in um, good pictures, bad pictures is something like this. Um, a bad picture or pornography um, are videos, you know, pictures, cartoons, videos of people with little or no clothing on that focus on the private parts of the body that we keep covered with a swimsuit. Hmm. So that's very simple. Um, yeah. Took quite a long time to come up with that actually. <laughs> yeah, but um, sometimes just, the most simple just, things. Yeah, yeah, just 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 boil it down so they can recognize it, right? Now, some yeah. people have criticized me and said, well, that's nudity. And nudity is not all nudity is pornography, and I'll never be able to take my kid to a art museum. Uh well, so this is my comeback. We still need to give kids just enough information so that if they see nudity online or on a screen, they need to come and tell you. Now, if that nudity is the Sistine Chapel or the David, you can have a discussion about art versus porn. And we have a great article on Protect Young Minds, which is the um, companion website to Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, protectyoungminds.org. And you can have that conversation. But most kids, when they see nudity online, it's not going to be the Sistine Chapel, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's just be real here. I'm not taking my kids to museums every week to look at you know art where there's naked statues. But the reality is they have access to their phones, TVs, YouTube, their friends' phones. So yeah, that's an interesting argument. But uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a little more practical in 2019 yes, exactly. uh, for what's actually going on. Yeah. For, with our yeah kids. Let's be real. So then, yeah. so the first thing is to define pornography. And then the second thing is, um, to teach children, uh, why it's harmful. So you can give them arguments, right? So they have a reason why they want to reject it. Because just yeah. saying, Oh, pornography is bad. Never, you know, it's sinful, whatever. Don't look at it. That, that isn't going to answer the questions, right? And in this day and age, 2019, uh, we need to give kids a reason why. So um, in the junior book, we talk about picture poison, right? And we kind of use the analogy of poisons, and we never want to take poisons into our bodies, and we don't want to take these pictures um, into our minds. And in the book for older children, for children, oh, six to 11 or so, six to 12. Um, that one is, talks a lot more about addiction and hmm. how it can become an addiction and how the thinking brain and the feeling brain are both involved. And kids just love learning about their thinking brain and their feeling brain and hmm. um, how both of them are involved. Uh, work can work together, but the thinking brain is where we learn right from wrong and where we learn to put the brakes on our, you know, on the things that, that on our desires or appetites. So 
in a very child-friendly, age-appropriate way, we discuss how the brain is impacted by addiction. And not and this can really teach a child about all kinds of addictions, right? It's the same process, whether it's a behavioral addiction or a substance addiction. Um, it just different ways you get it in the body, whether you're it all affects the dopamine in the brain. Yep. Yep. So that's the second thing is give kids a reason to reject it. Help them understand the harms of pornography. And we do touch on other things like objectification and, and that kind of thing, but very lightly. I mean, for a 7 to 11-year-old, really, we want to talk about something they can comprehend, which is that it can hurt your brain. And then the third thing is we give them a plan. So it's not enough to define it so they'll recognize it. It's not enough to tell them, um, to give them reasons why they should reject it. We also need to give them a plan so they know exactly what to do when they're exposed. And uh, in the junior book, we have a very simple plan called the turn, run, and tell plan. Um, and in the older book, we have the can-do plan. Um, and it's basically close your eyes, always tell a trusted adult, name it when you see it. Those are the kinds of, th that's exactly what you do when you see it. And then when the, we also have um, help for what happens when that image, that memory comes back and bothers you and keeps popping up in your mind. How do you neurologically and cognitively deal with that? So we teach kids how to create, um, to minimize those memories. So number one, a definition. Number two, you know, an explanation of the harms. And number three, a plan. So a definition, a warning, and a plan. And those three things will go a long ways to helping children have a real choice and opening up the conversation with their parents, which is just so, so very helpful for kids. They can't face this alone. They need our help. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. And you, the books really, they do such a good job at this. I, I, I'm really speaking... Um, just as a dad who has read them. So for the listeners, they really do. They're so helpful. Um, and just so, so the audience is clear, like the, the junior version of the book is for three to seven year olds. Right. And then the, the older version is from about seven to 11. Is that right? Yeah. But, um, uh, the, some people, they want to just start like really simply. So even if their kid is like eight years old, they'll start with the junior one, then they'll move up to the other one. It's, just however you want to do it. Um, but yeah, the junior is geared to, it's a much simpler one and uh, it's geared to younger children. And then, um, but with the older one, I have had many therapists and parents use it for older kids. You know, obviously they, they don't sit down on the couch and read it together like a, a story, which is how it, how it reads now. It's, it's a story. It's a story yeah. um, that you read and, um, but basically it serves as a script, right? For, for uh, parents that don't know, like, how do I begin this conversation and what kind of information do I share? Like it's overwhelming. Um, but, um, but I've had therapists use this for pay, for clients that are trying to get out of a porn addiction. Um, mm. And it, it is actually really helpful to understand the brain science behind it. Um, and when you're trying to fight an addiction, 
you know, to be asked to go read a 300 page, you know, book on neuroscience of addiction is, is probably more than you want to do. So this boils it down really simply and is really helpful. I would say the principles yeah, are a, are evergreen. The principles are ageless, but yep, the format yep, is definitely for younger children because that's where, that's where the need is. Like, you know, people are always asking me, well, do you have a teen book, which I am actually working on, but it's like the, my two first two books are our prevention. A teen book is intervention, right? Yeah. Or some parents may ask, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to have the sex talk, quote unquote, sex talk with my young children, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight year olds. And what I would say to that, if that's something that you're thinking as a listener listening to this is reading these books and having these conversations about pornography doesn't necessarily equate to the sex talk. Like we've had these books about protect and talked about protecting our kids from the good pictures, bad pictures. They really have a plan for when they see bad pictures. And we haven't had any kind of sex talk yet with them at these very early ages. So it doesn't one doesn't necessarily mean the other um, right away if you're concerned about that with your really young kids. That's Yeah, that's really great to bring up because we wrote, I wrote this specifically so that parents would feel comfortable reading this to young children even before they've had, you know, the birds and the bees talk. Right. So, uh, yes, they were totally designed with that in mind. Having said that, however, I think with so many cues coming at them in their environment, so many sexualized cues, you just go to the grocery store uh, or, or the mall or wherever and you're, and, and kids pick up on these cues. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, we as parents think, oh, it's totally over their head. Not, not always. I've, so I did a, uh, some research and I interviewed 10 uh, people who were addicted to pornography or had been and we're in recovery. And eight were men and two were women. And none of them had had parents who had talked to them about sex. Wow. None of them. So I, you know, the point was to figure out why kids are using pornography. And they might sound like a crazy question, like, well, duh, they're curious. But actually, you know, what, what reasons are children going to porn? If we can figure that out, we can give them alternative. Um, well, let me just back up and say, um, what the question I was asking is, why do kids hire porn? So we all have jobs to do. And when we go buy a product or a service, we're actually hiring that product to help us do a job. And when you look at things like that, you actually get better information. So we, I actually hired a consultant that was, um, this is called the jobs to be done theory. And it started kind of out of, out of a business marketing, um, source, but it is really interesting and it is really great to apply to raising kids. So think about it. What jobs are your kids trying to get done right now? What, what is their brain pushing them to do? And that is to explore their world and to figure it out. So that's, that's one of their jobs. And, and they start to figure out that there's something called sex. Um, how does this work? You know, they don't know what it is. Uh, there are these, maybe these jokes or these, you know, cues and they don't quite understand it. And so they're, 
really their brain is pushing them, driving them to figure it out. So um, what I found is that every single one of these 10 people, the one of the main jobs that they had that they hired porn to do was to teach them about sex hmm. because their parents wouldn't. Wow. So that's sad. And the thing is, is one of the major porn sites, Pornhub, is literally uh, marketing themselves to teens wow. as sex education. Wow. Literally. Literally. Wow. So um, we, we have to figure out that, oh, okay, they're going to porn to figure out sex, what sex is, and what is expected to them as they grow up into a sexual being. And um, porn is teaching them a complete toxic version of sex. So, you yeah, know. They'll, they'll either learn from, I mean, they're going to learn. So they're, right. the, they're going to be taught and it's whether they have parents who love Jesus and are teaching them God's design for sex and sexuality, um, or it's going to be the world teaching them that version and their version of sex and sexuality. So right. you're, you're hundred percent right in that. Right. The, the, so the, how do you control yeah. that? How do you get your, you get in, you know, initially. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the first time I had ever seen pornography uh, in my life was actually when I was, I think in fifth or sixth grade, I was at a friend's house. Uh, and so I'm honestly terrified uh, that my kids are going to go over to their friend's house and see things that they shouldn't be seeing. Uh, yeah. How, how do you protect, uh, I guess, like, I, I want to be, I'm home, I homeschool our kids too. So your opening story about the mom that was homeschooling their kids uh, resonated. But I guess, how do you protect our kids from what their friends might be having at their homes or on their cell phones while also not being the parent that, you know, just completely secludes the kids and they never get to leave the yes, house? Yes, so you don't want a shelter. Yeah. Exactly. You cannot. So, and, and they've done studies. They found that kids that are um, cocooned um, actually are not as resilient to porn as those that are kind of inoculated, right? And, uh, and, and have an internal filter. So it's, uh, really, um, really important to establish these conversations and persuade your children and open that conversation up. But there are a couple of things you can do to help pre prevent exposure. Obviously, you can, you know, put filters on and, protect Wi-Fi and, and that kind of thing. But you can also talk to your neighbors, right? Mm. And see if you can't get them on board. Now, they may not share your values as far as pornography, but most will agree that pornography would not be good for children. So if you can go in on that agreement and just say, you know, and, and maybe just ask them, we have an article on Protecting Minds, which is all about, you know, safe playdates. And so this is something that I think is, would be really good and, and protect all of the children that are, that you, your kids actually play with, um, directly. Now you can't control the kid that brings a phone to school and shows, uh, your child something they shouldn't be seen. Uh, however, um, you can have some influence over you know, their friends and um, access and all that. So what I recommend is starting that conversation, say, hey, you know, I, and you can always bring up some 
something you've seen online, some troubling article about kids finding pornography online. And you could just start that conversation and say, hey, you know, man, I just read this. It's kind of worried, worrying me. Um, you know, what do you, what are you, what, what are you doing? What are your thoughts? Um, and what, you know, what are you, are you worried about this? And, and then you begin a conversation and then you're able to say, well, hey, you know, I've, uh, what we've started doing is, you know, we've started having these discussions with our kids and, uh, we've got this book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a shameless plug. But, you know, no, I have a, a, actually, a I know plug. a woman a who, resource. yeah, she'll mention that and, and she'll see if they'll, like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I want to learn more about that. I'd like to protect my kids too. If she, if she sees that in her neighbors, um, then she's, she's willing to let her kids, you know, play with them more so than, um, you know, the other, you know, if a parent says, ah, no, nah, I'm not going to worry about that. Or, oh no, I couldn't talk about that. Then she's a little bit like, hmm, that's a little red flag. Right. Probably <laughs> want to, maybe, yeah. yeah, my kid's not going to your house. My kids, <laughs> you, your kid can come to mine. Exactly. But, um, you know, just kind of that, uh, she has a, like a little, like test, you know, like a little, yeah. or a filter, yeah. you know, like yeah. which kids are my kids going to play with? And those kids are going to be the ones that, um, parents are kind of taking a proactive approach uh, to protecting them and to inoculating them. But again, you can't put them in a bubble. Um, and uh, one woman shared on Facebook that she had read good pictures, bad pictures to her nine-year-old. Um, just a few days later, he went to school and one of his classmates showed him pornography on his phone and he came home and he, he told his mom, he says, mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. Wow. I mean, that's think cool. about it. I was scared, yeah. but I knew what to do. And that's what we're doing when we are equipping our children and empowering them and making and letting them know that we're their ally, right? Yep. Yep. We're not going to run and hide and just kind of let them deal with this on their own. We're going to step up, have these conversations. And, you know, work with them together. And, um, you know, there's, I have so many stories about this actually working and kids, you know, being able to come and know that their parents will help them deal with it. Yeah. I think another good idea too would be that you, uh, to, I'm just thinking about my, my street, my neighborhood. I know this would be helpful resource to a lot of our um, neighbors is even just a cool way to engage with your neighbors and your your kids' friends, uh, parents, uh, is to just buy them a copy of the book and gift it to them and say, hey, we found this book. It was super helpful for us. I uh, wanted to give it to you in case yeah. we thought it might be helpful for you. And that oh, just yeah. helps us yeah. as parents to be good um, missionaries in our neighborhoods while also you know being salt and light, giving good gifts. But yeah. Uh, Chris, I'm so grateful that you shared with us. I know you've got a ton more knowledge, but and so we've only scratched <laughs> the surface surface here. But uh, thanks so much. We'll we'll put some links in the show notes uh, so that people can go get your book right away. But thank you for all you're doing. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. And and um, there's there's so much information we have on protectyoungminds.org. We'd love your listeners to check it out. We have free downloadable guides. 
Um, one is uh, the quick start guide that kind of helps you get started with these conversations. Um, and also another one, you know, what happens if your child does see pornography or even you find that your child is looking for it? We have a smart plan guide that helps you deal with all of that too. So um, really great information and just want to help parents as much as we can. I love it. Such wonderful resources. We'll definitely put those in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Kristen. You're very welcome, Jared. Hey guys, before we take off, I want to tell you about the perfect gift idea for your wife. Uh, In the past, I've worked with Backgate Prayers and we have told you about how you can make custom prayer cards for your kids, meaning you can send a picture to Backgate Prayers and they will put a picture of your kids on these prayer cards and they're beautifully displayed on this wooden piece. You can put them on your desk or on a mantle and they just have a bunch of different prayers that you can use for praying for your kids while having their picture on these cards. They've been a great gift in the past for wives and for grandparents, but they also have marriage cards now, meaning if you want to send Backgate Prayers a picture of you and your wife, they will put that picture and then create a bunch of prayers for custom prayers for you and your wife that you can display. These have always been really, really, really good gifts. A lot of guys in the dad tire community get these and gift them um, to their wife or to their grandparents. And they just, they're always a hit. So go to backgateprayers.com and use the promo code dadtired10 and you'll get a discount at checkout. Again, go to backgateprayers.com and use the promo code dadtired10. These are wonderful Christmas gifts ideas, so make sure to go to backgateprayers.com and use the promo code DADTIRED10.